Good morning again, church family. Thank you for uh, being here. If, again, if you're visiting with us, thank you so much. Thanks for uh, being here. If you're traveling through town or if this is your first time here and you're in town, we are so thankful to worship God with you. Andy, thanks for being able to laugh at yourself. I appreciate that uh, very much. I uh, definitely want to thank uh, Rhonda and Alan for uh, starting us off the, the best way that we can. Love you guys. Excited for uh, walking down this road with you, and we're here for you, whatever we can do for you. As we begin this new year... Uh, certainly you, uh, probably like Rhonda and Alan, as they, as I was talking to them before services, both of them uh, iterated, they said, you know, a new year, a, a new start, uh, this idea of this new, new beginnings, and probably a lot of us have things like that on our minds. We're probably thinking about maybe some, some resolutions that you've made, probably thinking about uh, some goals that you have, just some things that in the end you just want this year to be a better year maybe than last year or something uh, to get better at something. And I want you to know that 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 is our theme for this year here at uh, Jefferson Avenue. We want to be better, as you see on our signs here. And the idea, not just better, not just that we uh, become better at our jobs, or we uh, get better financially, or better in this way or that way, but certainly spiritually, we want want you to understand, uh, congregation, family here, this is where we're going. We want you to know that. But if you're visiting with us again today, we want you to know this so that you can come and be a part of it with us. When we say we want to be better, we want to have a better 2023, we want to become better. We're not just talking about getting better at specific things, though certainly that applies, I guess. But we're striving for something greater than what the world has to offer. And we're talking about spiritual things, and we're talking about things that will really help us in in not only our physical life, not only our relationships, but will help us certainly spiritually. And as we think about that this morning, we'll be in Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, Philippians chapter 3. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there is one on the back of the pew in front of you. And I believe Philippians 3 starts on page 981. But everybody go ahead and and, uh, uh, grab that uh, and turn to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we'll be for the entirety of our lesson this morning as we think about being better that again as I said that'll be our our theme for the entire year but specifically for January we're thinking about the idea uh, of when we think about being better or getting better or striving for something greater than what the world has to offer we're thinking about in January the idea of not settling don't settle for where you're at and we'll talk about a few different ways but especially today if you're here I pray to God especially last night and this morning I pray to God that he would send us some seekers, and I hope that's you. I hope that if, you, if you're here every Sunday, I hope you're still a seeker. If this is your first Sunday here, I hope that you are a seeker, that you're seeking, that you're wondering, that you're questioning, that you have doubts even about God or questions about God or want to know more about God. I hope and, and I trust that God has answered my prayer this morning and that you are here and that you are a seeker. And uh, we're happy that you're here, whether, again, you're here every Sunday or if this is your very first time, please continue to join us and be with us as we think about being better and seeking God. Again, you probably have some goals. Maybe you've even made some resolutions. Certainly, you probably have some hopes. Uh, We've been out of school for a couple weeks now, so as students are getting ready to go back to school, whether they're elementary or middle school or high school or college students, maybe hoping for some better grades, uh, something like that. As we go back to our jobs, maybe as many of us probably already have, uh, hoping to have better relationships, hoping to do better there. Uh, But certainly, I, I, I hope that it is your hope Your goal, you have resolved uh, to become more of who God wants you to be. 
In the letter of Philippians, it is uh, one of Paul's prison epistles. He is writing this from, from jail. Uh, but this is, it, it, there are some things about Philippians that are a little bit different than uh, some of other of Paul's letters and so even some of his other prison epistles. It's a very personal letter. In the early part of uh, Philippians, he's talking to them about how uh, they have been with him from the very beginning, the very first time that he shared the gospel with them. He shares with us that uh, the reason that he was able to to share the gospel with them or what brought that about, he says, was a a physical illness. He doesn't give us any details, but apparently maybe he was was sick and that got him to Philippi and and they gave him the opportunity to talk to people. We don't know exactly, but from that point forward, the the Christians at Philippi uh, were, were there with him. They're supporting him not only with prayers, but also financially, uh, and he has, they've even, in Philippians, uh, he, he says that they have sent someone from Philippi to where he is in prison uh, to care for him, to love him, to support him, and that that man himself actually gets sick and uh, almost to the point of death as he is doing God's work. So it's a very personal letter. There's a, a personal relationship between Paul and the Philippians. There's a personal relationship between uh, their efforts and, and the way that they have always helped and they will continue to help as we read about in Philippians chapter 4 as well. But let's look at Philippians chapter 3 as we think about this idea of being better of seeking God and of seeking something greater than what the world has to offer. And again, the world has a lot to offer. And many of us have been blessed by what the world has to offer. But the difference is, and maybe this is the the point of the tagline, where it says seeking something greater than what the world has to offer. What happens with the things that the world offers to us? They can be great. They can be enjoyable. They can be things that we take great pride in. But what happens to all of those things? At some point, what? They fail. At some point, they fall short of what we need. At some point, they, they don't fulfill their promises. At some point, they, they don't do what we think they were going to do, and we are left uh, disappointed. We're left in bad situations sometimes, and God says, I want to offer you something more. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Another version of that passage says, I came that they may have life real life life that is true life that is real life that is really worth being meaningful in philippians chapter 3 paul is beginning to wrap up the letter notice what he says in verses 1 through 3 he says finally my brothers rejoice in the lord to write the same thing again is no trouble to me and it's a safeguard to you now he says rejoice in the lord to write the same thing again is no trouble for me and he actually does that in philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 where he says rejoice in the lord always again i will say rejoice and he's talking about this, this joy that we can have as Christians. If you were here last week, you, you remember we talked about the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is not based on our circumstances. Happiness is based on our circumstances. Happiness is in the moment, and therefore it is momentary, and therefore it's gone in a moment. Joy is something that sustains, something that lasts. This is something better than what the world has to offer. Yes, the world will offer you happiness. God offers you joy, something that is sustained, sustainable, and it is found in Christ. And that's where Paul finds his joy no verse uh, number two beware of the dogs beware of the evil workers beware of the mutilation for we are the circumcision whom worship in the spirit of god and who boast in christ jesus and put confidence and put no confidence in the flesh now verse two he's warning them about there are some there are some enemies of the christians in philippi uh, even some religious people who are enemies of the Christians in Philippi. In verse number three, uh, and really throughout a good portion of the rest of this passage that we're not going to dig into specifically, there is a, uh, a physical 
confrontation going on between some Jews who are Christians, some, some Old Testament Jews who have become Christians, and some, some Greeks or some people who, who didn't know Christ at all and perhaps didn't even know the God of the Old Testament. And there's a big uh, issue that they're having, a big uh, conversation at the very best. They're having argument, much more likely that they're having about what they should do about circumcision. But the, but the point is, notice what Paul says at the end of verse 3. We put no confidence in the flesh. In verses 4 through 6, we have kind of a, a juxtaposition here where uh, Paul says at the end of verse 3, I, I put, we put no confidence in the flesh. But then he says, but if anybody could, I could. And he's not bragging here, but he is doing this juxtaposition. He says, look, we are the people who worship God in the spirit. We are people who put no confidence in the flesh. But if anyone could, I could. And he goes through a, a list that a lot of these things wouldn't mean much to us today. Uh, born on the eighth day, or born uh, circumcised on the eighth day, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, all of these types of things that don't really mean a whole lot of us today. But if we were Jewish, we would look at someone who, who met these qualifications and we would be impressed, very impressed. And Paul says, look, we don't put any, any confidence in the flesh, but if anybody could, I could put confidence in the flesh. And that's important because he's kind of going to have that, that, uh, that mindset as we go throughout the rest of this chapter. This mindset of, of, look, here's what we are really about, or here's what we could be about. What are the differences? What are the similarities? And what can we learn about these things? In verses 4 through 6, again, he talks about some things that, that if he were going to put confidence in the flesh, perhaps he could do so. But then he explains to us why we shouldn't put confidence in the flesh. So Paul's joy comes not from his confidence in himself, but his confidence in Christ. Look at verses 7 through 11, and as Paul talks about that Christ is greater than any earthly gain. But whatever things were gained to me, talking about specifically those achievements, those accomplishments, those impressive things listed in verses 4 through 6, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. He says, now, Today I want us to think about, as we think about this idea of having goals, of having uh, things that we want to accomplish. Let me back up a little bit because I forgot to ask this very important question. Where do you want to be on December 31st, 2023? I hope that you'll be here because that's a Sunday, okay? I hope that you'll be here and we'll have some more folks with us. Um, this happens pretty rarely. That the first day of the year is a, a Sunday and the last day of the year is a Sunday. But where do you want to be? December 31st, 2023. What goals have you set in place? What things physically do you want to accomplish? What, what things in your job with your family? What things spiritually do you want to accomplish? Hope, hope certainly you want to be a, a better, a more accomplished individual by the end of this year than you are right now, right? No matter where you're at in your life. You want to be able to to look back on what will be this year and say, that was a good year. That was was a great year. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to to do these things. So as we think about this, Paul says in verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, those I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul says he looks at this this list of things that he confidently, uh, and not arrogantly, but confidently says, look, I was these things. This is what people thought about me. This is who I People thought I was, but I've given all, that, all of that up for the sake of Christ. Number, number eight, verse eight, number eight. More than that, I can't all things to be lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, 
my Lord. Notice he says, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want you to notice the next few verses, uh, some very uh, relational-based wording used, okay? Talking about a relationship with Jesus, starting with this idea of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. So here's, here's the point, two things here. For some of us, um, we're gonna have to give up some bad things. And if you're, if you're one of those seekers that I prayed about and you're here this morning and that I hope that you are, when we think about the beginning of the year, and we think about setting goals and, and, and making resolutions and things that we want to accomplish in the coming year. A lot of those things are, well, I, I don't want to do this negative thing anymore. I want to get better at this because right now I'm not very good at it. I want to become better at it. Maybe when we think about our spiritual relationship, our relationship with God, maybe you don't have one at all. Maybe this past year in 2022, you didn't live for God at all. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe someone invited you to be here and that's why you're here and if it were up to you, you wouldn't be here. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're here because you said you woke up yesterday or you've been thinking about for the last several weeks, you know, I, I really want to start the year off right. I'm going to go to church. I don't normally go to church, but I'm going to go worship God uh, with the church and, and here you are and I'm glad you're here. But you've probably thought about something that you, you want to do to, to get better, to, to increase. And, and, and maybe you've got some things in your life that you need to, to let go and you need to move beyond. And that's why you're here this morning. But maybe there's some of us here who, who will have to let go and move beyond some, some good things in our lives, some accomplishments. Maybe last year you look back and, and man, you had a great year. Uh, you had a great year with your business. You had a great year with your family. You had a great year uh, in, in all these various areas. But maybe you still want to have a better year spiritually and maybe that's why you're here notice he says i count all things but rubbish not only are those things worthless to paul but they're rubbish that means they i, I don't want those things when you think about rubbish i you know think about a, a big a big pile of trash nobody wants that he says all of these things i don't want them at all not only are they worthless to me they're detestable i don't want them at all why the end of verse eight so that i may gain christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God upon faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, in order that I may obtain to the resurrection of the dead. So there's, there's a lot there, but notice some of the relational words that he's talking about, okay? That I may gain Christ, I may be found in him. We know from other scriptures that all spiritual blessings are found in Christ. We know specifically from Romans chapter 8 that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We know the end of Romans chapter 8, there's no separation from the love of God which is in Christ. So that's a relational uh, wording there. He says, not having a righteousness that, that is from the law, but a righteousness that is through faith in Christ. I don't want to belabor this point, but it's a, a powerful point that I've been uh, studying in other passages, and we'll, if you come to Bible class on Wednesday and come to the Galatians class, we'll talk about it in depth. But this, this idea, this righteousness, not, of, not from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. Very briefly, and if you want more, please come Wednesday night, because it's going to be a great class, because God's word is great. You know what that word means? You know what that, that phrase means? You know what that passage means? I don't have to prove myself to you. Have you ever felt the pressure of proving yourself to other people? We've all been there, right? Paul says here, my righteousness, 
doesn't come from my ability to follow the do's and the don'ts. My righteousness comes through faith in Christ. That doesn't mean that our actions aren't important. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have expectations of how we live our life. But my righteousness does not come from my performance record. It comes from my faith in Christ. How freeing is that? God offers something greater than what the world has to offer. At your job, you've got to prove yourself to people. Sometimes in your marriage, you've got to prove yourself to people. Sometimes as a child, as a parent, you've got to prove yourself to people. Sometimes out in the community, you feel like you have to prove yourself to people. On the ball field, in the classroom, you feel like you have to prove yourself to people. God says, you don't have to prove yourself to me. I already know who you are, and I already know you desperately need me. That's why I sent my son to die for you. This relationship that God offers through faith in Christ. Verse number 10, that I may know him. Again, that that relationship and the power of his resurrection, but also the fellowship of his suffering, that comes along with this relationship as well. There are some difficult times that come because we are Christians. Uh, Being conformed to his death in order that I may obtain the resurrection of the dead. Again, Christ is greater than earthly things. That doesn't mean that everything is going to go smoothly, that everything is going to be perfect, but God offers something greater than what the world has to offer. And then we get to verses 12 through 20 where this idea that Paul says of pressing on. We've got the goal. He says there in in verse number 12, uh, verse number 11, I've got a goal to obtain to the resurrection of the dead. It will be worth it all, but there, there is a goal to achieve, but he hasn't achieved it yet. Notice what he says in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it, this resurrection of the dead to attain to this uh, this life beyond this life, or have already become perfect, but I press on. I continue, I can go forward so that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul has a goal. He has a goal to to one day be with God eternally. And he says, I'm not there yet. I haven't achieved it yet. I'm not perfect yet. I'm not where I'm going to be. We had a great conversation in our Bible class uh, that John taught for us uh, this, this morning. Uh, this idea of what, what is this goal? And, and really, I think ultimately, the goal is to be with God eternally. And he says, I'm not there yet. I'm not with God yet. But, and earlier in, in Philippians chapter 2, he talks about to, to live is Christ and what? To die is gain. Paul understands, he's wrapped his mind around this idea that is hard for us to wrap our minds around, especially if we're blessed. Listen to this. Paul understands, his mindset is, it would be better if my life was over because I'd be with God. Now, those of us who have been Christians for a while, we we know that. It's really hard for us to wrap our mind around that, isn't it? We've got that head knowledge, but sometimes we miss that heart knowledge. That it would be better for us. It will be when this life is over as followers of Christ, that what is to come is better even than what we have now, even if we are abundantly blessed. And he goes with this idea of to live as Christ, but to die is gain. He's got a goal, and he's not there yet, but he's pressing on toward the upward call. Verse number 15, Let us therefore, as many who who are perfect, think this way. And if you think another way, then God will reveal that to you. Now, it's interesting, in verse number 12, he says, I haven't obtained it, I'm not already perfect. And in verse 15, he says, Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, So he's talking about two different things. He hasn't achieved or accomplished what he's talking about yet, but then he is committed to accomplishing that. 
That's what he's talking about later on in verse 15. Those who are ready to be willing to give it all up for Christ. The good things, we're willing to give those up for Christ. Certainly the bad things, we're wanting to. Even as you have set goals and resolutions and things that you want to achieve this year, you're willing to to lay aside the bad things, but also even the good things. Verse number 16. However, let us keep... Uh, walking in step with the same standard which we have attained. Brothers, join in following my example and look for those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, and here's the warning of this passage. For many walk, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even crying, as enemies of the cross of Christ. That sounds like something I don't want to be. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I don't want to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. So what what details can you give me about that, Paul? Verse number 19, whose end is destruction. Again, I don't want to be a part of that. Whose God is their stomach. Your version might say their appetite and and glory is in their shame who set their thoughts on earthly things. Paul, you, you mean that people who are enemies of the cross of Christ, notice that very last part of that verse. People who are enemies of the cross of Christ are people who have set their minds on earthly things. Again, this, this morning, probably for the last several weeks, maybe you, you like me, took the time to, to write them down on a piece of paper or put them on a note in your phone. Maybe you set some goals for this year. And there's nothing wrong with having goals that relate to earthly physical things. But notice he says people who are enemies of the cross of Christ are people who have set their minds on earthly things. In your New Year's resolutions... And your goals for this year that has started today, did you include anything spiritual? Anything? Anything at all? I'm going to pray more often. I'm going to read my Bible more often. I'm going to have a goal of sitting down and having a Bible study with one person, one person this year. Did you do anything in your goals that was spiritually? Related? Hey, there's still time. Maybe you can rewrite them this afternoon. Enemies of the cross of Christ are people who set their minds solely on things of the world. And listen, the world has a lot to offer, but God has something better to offer. Again, verse 20. For our citizenship, Christians, is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. I have been impressed over the last couple of weeks if I've studied various things for various lessons, the, uh, the number of times that those two words are put right together. Did you notice it? Did you notice in verse 20 what it says? Look again at verse 20. For our citizenships, Christians, if you, if you are a Christian this morning, if you have been baptized into Christ like Rhonda and Alan were this morning, if you're a Christian, your citizenship, the place where you belong is in heaven. Praise God for that. One day you're going to go home. One day I'm going home. Uh, Today I'm headed in that direction. I'm not there yet, but that's where I'm going. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly, eagerly, I anticipate, I'm excited about when Jesus comes back. I don't know when it's going to be, but I know he's coming and I want to be ready for it. And I'm eager for it because to die is gain. And then notice that that last phrase. We eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Savior and Lord. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the Savior without the Lord. You wouldn't want the Lord if he wasn't your Savior. Thankfully, Jesus is both. 
And this morning, while you and I have set our minds and set our hearts on things to accomplish in this life and in this world and with the people that we love and, and, and wanting to, to just, just do the best that we can with the, the blessings that God has given to us, that's a great thing to think about. But if we've only set our minds on earthly things, then we're enemies of the cross of Christ. Even if you're a Christian this morning, if the only things that your mind is set on are earthly things, then you're an enemy of the cross of Christ because you've taken your eyes off the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the Savior of the Christian, but he must also be the Lord of your life. Again, in Romans chapter 10, we read earlier before our baptisms, uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it talks about that we have to confess Christ as Lord. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the creator of all things. He is the King of kings, the God of gods. But he is the Lord of your life. He wants to be your Savior he asks to be your Lord. He doesn't force you to be either one of those things. What does it mean that Jesus is your Lord? It means that you die to yourself and you live to God. You do the things that God has asked you to do. And you don't do those things perfectly. And that's why it's called grace. And that's why Jesus had to die for you. You won't do it perfectly. There's no way you'll do it perfectly. If you could, then Jesus would not have had to die. And we're thankful for that. God has an expectation of how you live. Uh, this year... Uh, December 31st, 2023. I hope that that Sunday, I hope you're here. If you're visiting with us, come on back. We'll be here. I hope that you're, I hope that you're here. I hope a lot of other people are here. I hope a lot of people who aren't Christians right now are here that day because of the things that we've done as a congregation and you've done as an individual. I hope that in, on December 31st, 2023, you're healthy, you're wealthy, and you're wise. But much more importantly, I hope you're a follower of Jesus. Not perfectly, but faithfully. Why not start that today? If you are a Christian, you're supposed to be following Jesus. You're living your life as a response to God's grace. Not in any way to earn anything. You can't earn anything. Like Paul, we put no confidence in the flesh. Think about your accomplishments Think about your, your worldly accomplishments. Think about your spiritual accomplishments. You cannot put any confidence in the flesh. Only confidence in Christ. And that'll be true today and that'll be true at the end of this year and that'll be true throughout time. If you're a Christian, live for God, living your life as a response to God's grace. If you're not a Christian this morning, why not? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven above, came to this earth lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and arose from the grave miraculously. If you believe that he is the resurrected Son of God, and if you're willing, and this is the hard part, if you're willing to name him as your Lord, confess him as your Lord, then you can be baptized this morning, wash away your sins, and begin your walk with Christ. As we've already seen, there's no better way to start a year than to do that. If you're a Christian this morning and you're struggling and you just have all kinds of things on your plate, me too. If you've got good things on your plate that sometimes get in the way of following Jesus, me too. If you've got bad things on your plate that sometimes get in the way of following Jesus, me too. Will you pray for me? Hey, if you'll let me know, I'll pray for you. If you'll come forward in a minute when we sing this song, and let everybody know, we'll all pray for you. And we'll be here for you. And we'll do whatever we can because we're all on this journey towards heaven. And we want to help each other. If you're not a Christian and you want to become one, 
there will be nothing better that could happen the rest of today than someone who is lost being saved. If you are a Christian and you're struggling, there's nothing better that could happen than you coming back to Christ if you've wandered away. If we can do anything for you, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.